Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of 10 out of 10 reviews. 10 out of 10, The Gayest Lions. This is going to be the first of our variety episodes where we just kind of talk about whatever we found this week. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Michaela. And I'm Max. And we're here to tell you why life is always a perfect 10 out of 10. All right, I'm going to start with the story I found of just 10 out of 10. The first celebrity? This guy was Paris Hilton in 16th century Iberian Peninsula. Okay. I'm pretty excited. So his name is Zeria, which means Blackbird. So I'm going to call him Blackbird instead of butchering his name a bunch more times. That's fine with me. He was a slave. He was born in what has become Iraq. And he was either African, Persian, or Kurdish. We're not sure which one, because all those people were enslaved by the Arabs at that time period. Okay. He was owned by a musician, an entertainer, who would travel. They didn't have TV back then, so musicians were really highly paid, and you would go to kings to play your music. And he was also a very good musician, because he had learned from a very good musician, he became better than his teacher and his slave owner. And this could have ended pretty badly, but fortunately his slave owner was a good guy, and he said, hey, I need to kill you so I don't lose my job. But instead, if you're just not here in the morning, I can't kill you if you're not here. So he sends him to Spain. Wow, the kindest <laughs> slave owner imaginable. Surprising, that's, it is pretty kind to do to someone rather than killing them, funding them to leave. It almost makes up for him owning him, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When he got to Spain, he opened a school of music because that's what he was good at. He had invented his own version of the lute and made what became the most played version of the lute. It originally had four strings that represented like the four humors And Blackbird was like, mine has five strings. Mine has the soul. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was about a third as heavy as a regular lute, and it had way heavier strings, so you could play it super loud instead of quietly. And also, just because the man is extra as fuck, he played it with an eagle's claw as a pick. Dude, this dude rules. At the time, it was normal to use a hunk of wood as your pick, but that was not cool enough for Blackbird, and it became no one would be caught dead using a wooden pick because that was that was old timey. That was poor and stupid. You got to use a piece of seashell or an eagle claw or a lion claw what or the a, hell? the quill of a blackbird. He had to get real cool. And he, I called him Paris Hilton earlier for a reason. He became famous for being famous. All of his friends were just rich, influential, like, noblemen. Because even though he was a slave, he was super smart. He was into astronomy and astrology. He was into geography and cartology. He liked making maps. He was a mathematician in a way that was really impressive back before people knew how to read. And... He was just picky and extra, and he invented tablecloths. Weird. So have you ever... He's like, 
I'm just gonna set down my loot and eagle claw, <laughs> but I don't want to scratch my table with my eagle claw. <laughs> so if they're outdated and like uncool now to do, but if you've ever been to a restaurant that had a piece of leather like bolted to the side, and that's the tablecloth, he invented the idea of that. Hmm. He also invented the idea of like a four course meal. In the past, you just put all the ingredients you had on the table at once, like a crab boil. You just dumped it all on the table without plates. And he was like, well, one, we should put a cloth down. Two, maybe let's not serve it all in a pile. How about first we have some soup, then we have some fish, then we have the entree, then we have some fruit and nuts. He invented dessert. This guy's the best. Okay, so my only question now is when, when you say it was a piece of leather, was it just cow leather or was that like pussy shit? Did they like, <laughs> were they out like killing lions for their to make some lion leather tablecloths too? I'm pretty sure it was cow, but he did insist that some people who are very good at leather working engrave images and stuff on it to make it very, very fancy because all of his friends were super rich noblemen. That's awesome. Both of these inventions, the tablecloth and the four-course meal, are still with us today. It became so common that we can't imagine like anything else, really. As well, he just was kind of personally partial to this weird little green shoot that would pop up on the beach during the springtime. And he forced his friends to eat it. He was like, try this shit. I know what you're thinking. Try this shit. And now we all eat asparagus. Huh. This guy's amazing. He was just a slave, and then he's like, no, 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 guys. I'm actually good at everything possible. That's awesome. Which, he's good at so many things. I almost wonder if he's not a Paul Bunyan or a Johnny Appleseed or a Jesus, just one of these characters who we have historical records of a lot of people that we've all given the same name. But we have the records of him being bought as a slave, so I think he was an actual human person with as close to a birth certificate as you could have in that time. Uh, he invented a honey walnut candy, and in the pictures it kind of looked like peanut brittle. That's something he also came up with first. This guy was so extra. He started brushing his teeth and made toothpaste in a time where that wasn't a thing. We don't know what was in his toothpaste. It was like a goopy powder, which I don't know. How a powder? It was a wet powder, I guess. I don't know what could possibly be in it. He invented a laundry soap. He was like, all you guys banging your clothes against these river rocks. Try adding some rose water and salt. That'll get them clean. And it did. This guy's amazing. He... Now this is where I kind of personally believe I lean towards what I've read. That he was African rather than Persian or Kurdish. He couldn't grow a beard and he couldn't grow his hair out. Oh, okay. And so maybe if you were Af like a different hair type, it'd be harder to grow a long flowing mane like you would see in the Mediterranean. Yeah. So he shaved and he wore his hair short. And now people shave. They didn't before that. How have we never heard of this guy before? So IslamicSpain.tv is where I got a lot of this information. And they say the reason a lot of people don't know about him, he spoke Arabic and... When was the last time you read about Arabic history? That's true. Okay. So this guy was so extra, toothpaste, laundry soap. Of course, his next business, after opening the music school, was opening a beauty parlor and boutique. Was he Jesus? I think he was a time traveler, actually. I think he might have been better than Jesus. Jesus didn't invent that many things. 
true. Jesus didn't even tell people to wash his hands, and this guy's inventing toothpaste. Yeah, so in his little beauty parlor, these women would come in, and at the time, the style was to part your hair in the center, grow it out as long as you can, and braid it down the center of your back. And he said, nah, and he would cut these women's hair short and kind of fluffy with bangs. And that was the first time people really wore bangs. And so when you think about like Cleopatra wig with that blunt bang and the straight edges, he brought that to the Mediterranean. I, I wonder if maybe he had learned it from seeing carvings of Egyptians. I'm not sure, but that's something we didn't have in the Mediterranean until him. In his little boutique, he started deciding he just kind of preferred. It was just a preference that swept the nation and is still with us. In spring, you should wear bright colors. In fall, you should wear warm colors. In the summer, you should wear really light, flowy clothes and white, but don't wear white in the spring, only in the summer, and not in the fall. Don't wear white after Labor Day is how we influence that rule now. And he was like, oh, and you should put a little bit of fur around the outside of your hem of your coat. It won't keep you any warmer. It just looks cool. This guy's amazing. Like, I keep saying that, but like, he's just done so many things. And I can't believe I've literally never heard of him before in any history class, not even in a passing mention. Yeah, I'm sure in a couple centuries, people won't be talking about Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton, but they were pretty equal on the trendsetter level, I believe. I'm gonna say neither of those people invented anything as influential as the tablecloth or having courses in your meals. This guy is the best. It was the past. It was easy to invent things. No one had heard of tablecloths. It hadn't crossed anyone's mind to put some <laughs> shit down so your food doesn't touch the table. <laughs> well, but why would it have, though? That's true. I, I was thinking the whole time is that, man, the past was a real easy place. If you were just a little bit smart, you could just do whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to open a music school. Can you imagine trying to open a music school now with... You were a slave before that. You just happened to show up in a country you've never been in. And like, yeah, I'm going to open a business and it's going to work out. Yeah, he opened two businesses that worked out. In fact, his music school worked out so well. When he died, his daughters took over the school. It stayed open for 500 years. Holy wow. shit. Mm -hmm. This guy's the... He's the best. This is amazing. Yeah, and that's... That's why I'm saying Blackbird, 10 out of 10, the most influential celebrity we've ever had. Yeah. I'm going to give him 10 out of 10, the first Renaissance man. Really? Like, wow. I'm going to give him 10 out of 10, Killer Loot Solo. Yeah. Oh. Do you imagine all but he was so fucking good at that loot? He must have been. He showed up in a country where no one's ever heard of him, and people just loved him. He must have been the best ever. It's amazing. Yeah, I keep calling him Paris Hilton. That's not really fair because he was an incredible musician. But I don't know. The Beatles, maybe? He was as famous as the Beatles? I don't know. And they were as famous as Jesus. <laughs> he, Jesus. He is bigger than Jesus. I'm going to give it to him. It's entirely possible. He's a time traveler from now who went back and was like, no, I don't want to eat that. I don't want to do that. And why the 
fuck did he go back and speak Arabic? Because he wanted to be famous. No. And you... fix the loot. There's an alternate timeline where the loot is heavy and shitty, and he had to go back and fix it. Oh, no. The loot is not as good as it could have been. Didn't the loot, like, cause the guitar and the violin and stuff yeah, to probably because Yeah, probably because it was so heavy and shitty. Someone was like, man, if only this was lighter. He might have helped, but you know, I'm not going to give him that much credit. He already has too much, apparently. <laughs> apparently not, because we didn't even know who he was. That's true. Man, Blackbird rules. All right, all right. So now we're going to bring it to more current celebrities. And I know... Everyone probably, probably everybody knows about pretty much everything about it already, but I just wanted to talk about it because it's something that affected me as a person who really loves movies, and it's Kevin Spacey and the allegations that have been coming at him. So I only kind of know about these allegations. I know it's... Okay. So, so it all started with Anthony Rapp, who he was... He's famous on Broadway. He's most known for being in Rent. Okay. And he currently plays Star Trek's first openly gay character on their new Discovery series. All right. Um, so basically, he claims that back in 1986, when he was about 14 years old, that he attended a party at Kevin Spacey's house, and he befriended him, and Kevin Spacey drunkenly attempted to rape him. Ugh. And That's sad. Basically, Kevin Spacey has responded to it, Probably in the worst way anybody could ever respond to anything. So I have his, I have the exact quote of the statement that he made on Twitter. And it is, The sincerest apology for what would have been deeply inappropriate junken, drunken behavior. This story has encouraged me to address other things about my life. I know that there are stories out there about me and that some have been fueled by the fact that I have been so protective of my privacy. I choose now to live as a gay man. I want to deal with this honestly and openly, and that starts with examining my own behavior. Mm. And since Anthony Rapp came forward, there have been eight or more confirmed stories of, of him abusing people, and they, and they range from harassment to attempted rape. Has Kevin Spacey said that he didn't do it, or what's his stance Basically, he claims that he was drunk and behaving inappropriately. He won't elaborate further than that. And it's such a shame because it feels like when you come out as gay immediately after a man accuses you of attempting to rape him, that you're trying to use that to deflect any possible wrongdoing involved in that. And maybe that's not his intention, but that's what it feels like as yeah. somebody who's never met Kevin Spacey. Well, I feel like a big problem with it is that him choosing to do it like this is it really disparages other people who choose to come out in the future now. Because it's like, oh, what have they done that they're trying to cover up with them being gay now? Yeah. I feel like it's, it's disrespectful if his intention is... Oh, yeah, um, it's just because I'm gay I did those things. Every gay guy does that. Who cares? Like, if that's his intention, that's fucked up. But also, if he's just being outed by all these men who are like, yeah, Kevin Spacey tried to sleep with me, Kevin Spacey sexually harassed me, you've just been outed, and it's embarrassing to try to claim you're straight after that, and maybe that was his only intention? Maybe. The only thing against that is the age of Anthony Rapp at the time of the alleged 
yeah, abuse. He, it's, yeah, him being 14, it doesn't matter if you were drunk, you're a right. bad person for doing that. You fucked with children, and that's not okay, and that's... And it's just, it's all on top of everything with Harvey Weinstein coming out. And like, that's why, that's actually why Anthony Rapp decided that he was going to open up about it now because he was part of the hashtag MeToo movement. Mm -hmm. It's actually been really interesting that that whole movement, uh, after the Harvey Weinstein cases started coming out, how many other celebrities people have said have done horrible things. Uh, Alec Baldwin put out a statement recently I saw on Reddit saying that I've bullied women in the past. Because he regrets it. He didn't... At the time, he was doing a horrible thing, and he feels bad about it now. And I don't think that excuses it. It, it. I think it takes away from it a little bit. That he's not trying to hide behind excuses. He's just saying, look, I fucked up, and I feel bad about it. I'm sorry. And I hope him, him sending out that statement, it's not just, yeah, I did it, and thinks he can get, like, apologies that way. I think, I hope... He's reaching out to these women outside of Twitter to try to make things right now that he realized, like, oh, yeah, I'm a lot older now and can see that just because everyone was doing it doesn't make it okay. And everyone was doing it. Because it's like there have been other people claiming that, like, Ben Affleck had been aggressive. And there's the there's video evidence of, like, Adam Sandler getting super handsy. Ugh. Terry Crews came out with the Me Too. He said that he had been sexually assaulted. And he is a giant man with a deep voice. He is this tough guy. And even he is not safe from sexual assault and harassment. Yeah, I read that. I read those tweets also. And he's like, yeah. And in that situation, it's like, what are you going to do? I need to be able to work again here mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And if I... Well, I mean, Terry Crews has a different circumstance because if he fought back and he could physically fight back, it's this enormous black man who has beaten the shit out of some Hollywood executive. Yeah, it it just makes him look bad. Yeah, even when it shouldn't. But you get blacklisted if you talked about this stuff for a long time. I'm really glad that this is starting to change and that people are coming forward and saying, no, this is bullshit. You don't get to just do that to people. And it's an open secret. Years and years ago, Seth MacFarlane was making jokes about Harvey Weinstein. Like, don't leave the girls alone with him. They did it on The Simpsons, too. Mm -hmm. Courtney Love made a joke about it. And if Courtney Love's in on anything... (laughs) I I can't imagine anybody's telling her their secrets. She might have them killed with a fake heroin overdose. Ooh, let's not... That's another episode of that. Or even a few years ago, when... When all the women were talking about how Cosby hurt them, people were like, why didn't you say anything earlier? It's because everybody knew. Everybody knew what Cosby was doing. It was an open secret. Same with Harvey Weinstein. Same with Kevin Spacey. I hope that this leads to an actual change in anything because in the entertainment industry, the fact that the phrase casting couch exists, and that was a thing that... I knew about, you know, you go and talk to a director and he's like, well, what can you do for me? And then you got to touch his penis a little and then you get a job. Todrick Hall. Todrick Hall, I forgot. He is a very, like, not famous at all musician. He's a pretty, like, C-list celebrity. He's really only big in the gay community. In his memoir, Straight Outta Oz, it's it's a pretty good uh, visual album, by the way. He talks about... Women telling him, like, yeah, I know you're into dudes, but if you really want to get into Hollywood, you know, I'm right here. Jeez, man. Well, then, like, 
when the first Harvey Weinstein stuff was coming out, Elijah Wood, who was a like a child star, a child actor, he claims that he had been invited to parties in the past that his parents were just like, no, nah, we're just not going to go. His, par- his parents were his, like, his publicists. And... Glad Frodo stayed safe. <laughs> yeah. Corey Feldman has come out and said that he was molested when he was a kid. It's just crazy to me that people cover this stuff up and they're like, oh, it's just what happens. They're like, no, that's not something that should ever just happen. It's nice to know somebody put out a list, a Hollywood insider put out a list of celebrities that they know to be good people who don't have any of these stories about them, who everyone who's worked with them has said they've never been inappropriate, they've been good guys. It's nice to look at that list and be like, oh, good. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is pure. Tommy Lee Jones is pure. I've heard Danny DeVito is nothing but kind. That's good. Because that's a goblin trying to rape you, and that's even worse. Danny DeVito is a wonderful human being who has a wiener dog who wears princess dresses. That man couldn't hurt a fly. That was a point against him. No! I I love Danny DeVito. He looks like a goblin. (laughs) Oddly enough, Mel Gibson has never done anything inappropriate to anybody according to this list. Mel Gibson's the biggest piece of shit alive. I guess he, he saved the abuse for his own family. He's Everyone knows, though. Every, everybody just knows and openly accepts that he's a piece of shit. And it's just... Maybe that's why no woman is willing to be alone with Mel Gibson. It's true, because if you are, eventually he is going to say, I hope you get raped by a pack of N-words. That's an actual quote, because he's a monster. Ooh, a pack, though. Right? That's not the noun of assemblage for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's, okay. it's like a flock. It's a business. Maybe a group so they're not being called animals. <laughs> it's obviously a gang. That's not okay. That one was racist. If there are gangs of other animals, there can be gangs of people. I'm not going to touch that one. That was, <laughs> that was just straight up racism. No, it's not racism. And it's called a PTA of white women. That one's fair. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Gotta edit that out. Yeah. But it's obviously that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Fox News would call it. Leaving it in now. <laughs> <laughs> they would call them thugs now. Yeah, They're yeah. politically correct. Pretty sure it's still a gang of thugs. You gotta you gotta stop saying that. All right. I gotta have you not not do that. That's not okay. I'll ask Fox News right now. Yeah, because they'll tell you the truth. They're fair and balanced. Speaking of gay celebrities. Speaking of gay celebrities, my story is from Kenya. And it is about two lions. Two gay male lions. The whole, at the center of this controversy is a photograph of two lions just going at it. And... There's a man in Kenya who claims that they must have learned it from humans. His name is Ezekiel Mutua, and he's the chief of the Kenyan Film Classification Board. And I've got a few direct quotes from him, because he is a gem. A very homophobic gem. (laughs) So he starts with, These animals need counseling. 
because probably they have been influenced by gays who have gone to the national parks and behaved badly. You could almost say it is a sickness. <laughs> he is very similar to the it is a sickness guy. But he's he thinks that just gays are going out into the national parks and like, look at those lions over there. Hey, lions, look at this. And there's just two gay dudes just... That's real aggressive. I don't know. I don't know if you're helping with that. It's stereotypical. That's how lions would do it. Interesting note on how lions do it. So normally, when lions breed, it lasts a couple of seconds at most. It's a in, out, it's done. With these guys, it went on for minutes. Damn. Compared to literally two or three seconds normally, they just went forever. This was the lion equivalent of going all night long. Well, now the question is, though, did it last a long time? It just took a long time to get in there? Or was the bottom lion, like, consenting to it and not running away the way the female lions run away? The bottom lion was consenting to it because immediately afterwards, they were showing obvious signs of affection. They loved each other. Unlike when male and female lions breed, then the male and female, like, once it's done, they're like, no, get the fuck away from me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. These two were cuddling. These two gay lions... So you're gonna go back there, and that that part of the that part of the desert's just gonna be real gentrified. <laughs> There's gonna be only gay lions in there. Twenty dollar cupcakes. Ooh, I bet those are good cupcakes though. They're made by a lion. They're mostly gazelle. That's too savory a cupcake for me. They're also not gonna be putting them into the cupcake form. <laughs> I think a twenty dollar gazelle is a good deal on gazelle. I don't know. I don't know, but. Ezekiel suggests that it might be demonic possession. He says that, I mean, where on earth have you ever heard something like this happening? The demonic spirits inflicting humans seem to have now caught up with animals. (laughs) This guy believes that demons are making these two gay lions have sex. He also thinks that demons are making every gay person have sex. (laughs) Don't just skip over that. Well, he thinks that the demons just, like, came over because they got bored. Right? It's like there's not more, like, regular people to get. You gotta go after the lions. Come on, demons. Stick with the plan, damn it. (laughs) So his plan with the lions is to try to isolate them. He says, this is why I say isolate the crazy gay animals. Study their behavior because it is not normal. The very idea of sex, even among animals, is for procreation. Two male lions cannot procreate, and therefore, we will lose the lion species. Okay. I'm going to play on the other side a little bit here. He's right about that. Yeah, if every lion turned gay. But but what would make these lions decide to turn gay? Because that's true. The sex with animals is just about procreating and... Making a baby. Clearly for these two, it's having a good time. That's why they cuddle after. That's why they do it for so long. That's why they're having a photographer take their pictures so they can relive the moment. So does this mean that, like, wild animals aren't as, like, quote-unquote primal as we think they are? Tons of species of animals are gay all the time. Um, There is a pair of penguins at a zoo that refused to breed. Uh, They just hung out with each other. And they were really stressed out all the time. And when they had... A mother penguin refused her egg. They gave it to the gay penguins, and they raised the baby. That is adorable. Hmm. 
So it was an interesting thing. I learned while reading through this article, it threw in some gay animal facts. And one of them was that the only animals besides human beings who will exclusively choose to like have homosexual relationships are male sheep. Male domesticated sheep are the only other animal who will exclusively choose homosexual relationships. Sheep are fully gay, but all the other animals are just bi? Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, they're all bi. So, like, these lions, yeah, they're having fun now, but they'll also have babies because they like having babies. Mm-hmm. Another interesting fact is that in Kenya, it's a 14-year imprisonment for a gay man. Only gay men go to prison. Well, yeah, because everybody wants to watch two girls make out. Right. Oh, Ezekiel also claimed that Netflix is a threat to national security due to nudity, irresponsible sexual behavior, language, and drug use. Netflix turned the lions gay? He believes at least in part. It's a threat to their national security. Oh, no. What is the, what is the imprisonment for having a Netflix membership? You know... I don't know. This guy seems to know a lot about Netflix and their nudity and sexual behavior. He probably has his own. And he probably watches that weird part of Netflix that you have to, like, accidentally make your, make for yourself. It's true. What do you think his profile picture is on the Netflix account? Just a, a neck-down shot of him nude. <laughs> on Netflix. No, I mean, like, the little... You can choose, like, the little penguin or, yeah. like, the little regular... Fa- he just has hacked in his own picture. Yeah. Man, that's that's extra. <laughs> Taking a word from Michaela, that's very extra. <laughs> I was thinking maybe he'd go with. I think they have a lion face. Ooh. I want to go back to the part where he said that the lions need isolation and counseling. What's his plan for the lions? What is the therapist gonna do to those lions? You're gonna pray the gay away. Get the demons out of them. I wonder, does Kenya need to contact the people who make the panda porn in China? To make some lion porn to, like, re-educate these gay lions? That would be real exciting. Because you know that's going to lead to the mauling of a bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) You think they're just going to go out there and just start throwing holy water at the lions? Because you got to get the demons out? And the lion's just going to get pissed because you're, like, shooting it with, like, a squirt gun? I can only dream that that's what happens. Holy shit, it brings a whole new meaning to Pride Rock. (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm so happy (laughs) that's why i'm calling these guys 10 out of 10 the gayest lions 10 out of 10 homosexual lion they call them bachelor prides what if it's if it's two young male lions that's like an actual thing that you see it's just like sometimes groups of male lions will travel together because they're like not tough enough to feed themselves that's good line fun fact. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 most love felt in the air tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know what the lion therapist is going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the lion's names are. They always give animals names once they're famous. Are they going to call them like Timon and Pumbaa? Because you know Timon and Pumbaa were gay. Well, yeah. All right. I'm glad we're in agreement. There's no argument there. We know that. It's unspoken. I couldn't come up with another famous gay couple. Me neither. I actually don't know that many gay couples. One of them could be called Liberace, I guess. You can't 
can't just go around calling a lion Liberace. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think that disparages the gays or something. How? I don't know. They're not all Liberace. <laughs> Why is Timon and Pumbaa okay? Because they're super gay. So is Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Timon and Pumbaa fits into the lion theme. No, they don't. They're the only non-lion characters. <laughs> I guess there's a monkey and a bird. There's also some hippos, the giraffes. They don't talk, they're not characters. They sing. They're not characters with names. They're just the chorus. It shows you that the lower class is unimportant. They don't even get to bow with the credits. They're not cast members, they're the chorus. I didn't realize you were going to get so high and mighty. <laughs> What about the hyenas, you asshole? Oh shit, there were hyenas in that movie. <laughs> you ready to go? Another one? Yeah, another one. Alright, this one's kind of a short one, but a very exciting one for me. We found out the city of Salem forgot where they hung the witches. What? Yeah. So real fast, when you imagine the Salem witch trials, what in your head is going down at their moment of death? It's burning witches. Honestly, it's like, just like... Yeah, the stereotypical, like, big bonfire, big-ass, like, pillar coming up out of the ground. Yeah. Just a poor, poor woman tied to it. So it's a common misconception. They weren't burned at the stake. That was Europe only. The all-American way is to hang your witches. And for a long time, we just kind of assumed it was at the top of Gallows Hill. Because why else would it be called Gallows Hill? We found out some guys at the Smithsonian didn't really believe that it matched any of the testimony we have from the historical writings so they dug a little deeper put in some more research gallows hill is steep as fuck it's the reason why it's a park you can't build on it it's too steep so they would have to cart the prisoners up the top of the hill in order to hang them you can't really pull a horse-drawn cart up that okay you can't see it from town and the whole point of a public hanging is so everyone can see and be afraid We've also got eyewitnesses of people being like, yeah, my mom put me inside so I didn't see it because it was scary, but I looked out the window of our house and saw it. So it had to be somewhere that was visible from the town. And they also talked about they would hang them, they would cut the rope, the body would drop into a little pit that they called the crevice. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no crevice at the top of Gallows Hill. Jesus Christ. Holy. That might be the gayest thing ever. (laughs) The crevice. It really was. It was a crevice. It was a place between two rocks. Uh, They did a little more research. They looked into what can you see from the middle of town? Where is some rocky outputs that you could hang someone from and they could fall into? They weren't hung from gallows. They were hung from trees. So where are trees? And they narrowed it down. It's called Proctor's Ledge. It's a little rocky outcropping that used to have a river running through it. So it's not something you can build on in between... A McMansion and a Walgreens. Ooh. Do you think that's a haunted Walgreens? I hope so. No, but it all focuses on the McMansion. Just because that's spookier. I don't know who I hate more, Walgreens customers or people who own McMansions. That's easy. It's people who own McMansions. That's fair enough. No, because people who own McMansions are also walking over to the Walgreens. They're the same people. Yeah. So who cares which one it haunts them? Yep, so... The reason why we believe it's Proctor's Ledge, it's on public land. It's at the bottom of Gallows Hill. So all the writing saying that they headed towards Gallows Hill, that makes a little more sense than pulling a horse-drawn cart up the steep-ass ledge. 
It's visible from Pope Street, which lines up with the writings we have. And underneath the ledge, there really is, there's a rocky crevice where they would, that matches up with what they said they did with the bodies. So the very first thing they did, they were like, is this the place? And they dug up all the rocks to see if they could find any skeletons. Were there hell skeletons? They couldn't, not a single one. What? So they double-checked the readings, and they were like, where's the bodies? They found out the people who lived near Proctor's Ledge, they hated it. It was super inconvenient, because every night after they hung someone, the mourning family would come and cry and weep and wail and take the body home to bury it. Hmm. Wow. I guess I didn't figure these women ever got burials. I'm glad that they... Turns out they did. They had families. Yeah, they weren't all women who were killed. Some men were killed as well. One man, I'm sure you've heard the story before, they were pressing him to try to get a confession out of him. They weren't going to hang him. They were going to get information from him and then decide what to do with him. But he refused to confess anything. He just kept saying, more weight. So they just kept pressing him until he died. At one point, the judge... He used his cane to push the guy's tongue back into his mouth because he had pressed so hard that things were coming back up. I was in a fucked up thought. Do you think it was just like that? Then the guy that hung him just got really, really fat. Just like about Stephen E. Just a thin. (laughs) Do you think that that guy was just one of those people who just likes to be squished? I think he was just hoping for death. I think he was in enough pain, and he could feel that his things were all shifted around. He wasn't going to survive. He just wanted it to be over. I was hoping he just had a boner the whole time. He might have had a boner the whole time. But yeah, up until recently, Salem had completely forgotten where the hangings had happened, and the Smithsonian was able to narrow it down, and now they have a small memorial listing the names of the women and uh, dedicating the area as a place of great sadness. Because Salem has kind of forgotten that killing witches is bad. There's just tons and tons of little kitschy souvenir shops where you can buy, like, I'm a witch t-shirts and broomsticks. and. That's messed up. That's really messed up. Because I'll bet just right around that area, just where they have the memorials, just like the saddest place in America. Yeah, well, it's a Walgreens. Nobody's ever been happy going into Walgreens. They're there for a prescription because they're sick, or... I don't think there's any other reason to go to Walgreens, actually. Sometimes you need to buy, like, a sand bucket, a nail polish, a Gatorade, a stuffed animal toy, and a drug test. So are you luring kids away from parks? Or just... <laughs> no, those are just the weirdest things I could remember that Walgreens sells. You ever walk around to Walgreens because you have to wait for a prescription? No. They've got some weird stock. They've got anything. Weird. All right. What are you going to call that out of ten? 10 out of 10, the shittiest memorial of a horrible thing that happened. I'm going to go ahead and call it 10 out of 10, the most haunted Walgreens. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10, dude, where'd we kill those witches? (laughs) I should have said something about 10 out of 10, the deepest crevice. (laughs) I'm going with 10 out of 10, the deepest crevice. Yeah, I think it's better. Because there could be a more haunted Walgreens out there. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so the last thing that we're going to talk about is going to be Stranger Things, the Netflix original series. I'm not going to hold back on spoilers because I just watched the series, and it is absolutely fucking amazing. So, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know what happens 
at the end of Stranger Things, stop listening now. But also, go watch it, please. Now stop listening. <laughs> now. Get the fuck out of here. Right now. They've had enough time. It's a stranger. Steve, though. (laughs) Steve, though. All right, we'll start with Steve. Steve in the second season is so good. He tried so bad, so hard. He tried so hard to fight Billy. Oh, that fight. It is so sad. I was hoping he was just going to beat his ass in. And then, oh, Steve's a bitch the whole time. No, he he wasn't going to win that fight. No, Billy had the power of an abusive father. (laughs) that, That increased his strength by at least a few points. Steve's hair. That Dustin's flock of seagulls hair. hair. Dustin's hair. Dustin's hair. <laughs> oh, poor Dustin. That was the saddest. That ending. God damn, when he's sitting on the, like, the bleachers just like wiping tears off his face. Ugh. Dustin. Dustin. I love that Nancy and Steve both went out of their way to be there for Dustin since he didn't have siblings and his mom is clearly not the mommiest mom around. Yeah, she's too busy playing with Muse. And Twos. <laughs> that no. is sad. But maybe Muse went fast. What happened to Yertle though? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, temporary eviction. We never see him again. The glass in his tank is broken. There is a man-eating lizard running around. Yertle is dead. We didn't even care about Muse. And we get like to see like, oh Muse's burial. Where the fuck is Yertle, Dustin? I hope Yertle's okay. He's a good little turtle. I was like, who gives a shit? I do. <laughs> who else? <laughs> I kind of care. You I see him know. for five seconds while he's being taken out of I want to know where he went. Terrarium. I want to know what his adventure was Dustin like. Dustin didn't even tie a balloon around Yertle so you could keep track of him. That's turtle ownership number one. Is that something you've done with turtles you've Is owned? that number that's one? You, that's how you know where they are. They're very small. Is it... <laughs> Is it number one though? I would have tied a I would have tied a balloon around my snake if I was allowed to leave my snake out, and also if snakes were able to hold balloons. You have weird problems. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. <laughs> All right. So I don't know. Most attractive character in the show is it Steve or is it Billy? It's Billy. Just you know, I didn't like I didn't like the way he looked at first. Like when they first introduced him, I was like, oh this. Fucking doofus ass looking dude. And then it's like, nah. He rolls up to like their house with his shirt all unbuttoned. Just hitting like, on Mike's mom. Like, damn. It was like, damn. I would <laughs> let him crush my bussy any night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I should never have taught you that word. <sighs> Alex and Max both have massive boners for Billy. And it's not a thing I understand. He, I don't understand it. Look, he shows up, he's got his hair all done, he's got his shirt all open, he's like, Hey, you want to suck my wiener? And I'm like, yeah, alright. So was Nancy's mom. I mean, like, I guess. I, I know Nancy. Yeah. Shouldn't we close the door first? No. No, that's gay. Closing the door makes it gay. So just suck his dick on the porch? Yeah. Yeah, he's got places to go. He doesn't have time to come in. I want to know... Oh, he's got plenty of time to come in. I want to talk about the monsters. I want to talk about... There are so many demo dogs when we never saw one before, and now there's an army of them. 
Are they another larval phase of the Demogorgon? How come we only had one Demogorgon and an army of Demodogs? Hmm. That's a good question. I just had the thought that maybe the Demodogs are like a servant species to the Demogorgon. And that's why the Demogorgon, instead of killing Will, put that weird tube in his mouth to put the eggs inside him. Okay, so if the Demodogs were a servant species to the Demogorgons, what was their relation to the big-ass shadow thing? Because they never said what that was. That thing, they called it the Mind Flay? The Mind Flayer. The Mind Flayer. That's that's all we got, though. They were pretty clear that the Demodogs were the army of the Mind Flayer because they had to distract. Hmm. So does that mean that the Demogorgon was its own thing completely? It must have been, because the Demogorgon wasn't doing anything that would have helped the Mind Flayer. It was just eating and dicking around. Well, and didn't in Season 1, didn't they also kind of say that Eleven created the Demogorgon? She touched him, allowing him to escape. Yeah, she opened okay. the gate and opened let the him gate. out. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I want to know the relationship, because mm-hmm. my initial thought was, oh... The same way that Dart shed his skin a bunch of times and got bigger, he's going to do it one more time, and he's going to become a Demogorgon. We didn't see the Demodogs do that. Yeah, and there was plenty of time for them to have. Mm -hmm. I wonder what was going on with that relationship. Are there more Demogorgons in the Upside Down, and it's only the Demodogs who are useful to the... Is he like a general in the army and everyone else is like lower level army dudes? Or was the Demogorgon like a mutation? And that's why he was by himself instead of having like a bunch of Demogorgons? That makes yeah. sense. That maybe he was an accident that just kind of popped up. Yeah. I really like the concept of the Mind Flayer, like what they're doing with it being this huge malevolent creature that knows it wants to take over mm-hmm. that knows things it knows what it's doing in a way the demogorgon just felt like it was a monster dicking around yeah the mind flayer is a real adversary who like you got to fight that otherwise it's going to win but it seems like there's no way to kill it cuz like even when 11 stopped it she didn't stop it yeah i'm excited to see where they go with that I think Eleven's goal was just to trap it. She knew she wasn't be able to fight it, so she just closed the yeah. door. Because he pulled his own arm back, like, oh, I don't want to get that cut off. Yeah, I'm excited to see more. Stranger Things. That's what they're calling it on Tumblr. I want to talk about, obviously, the elephant in the room. Episode 7, Callie number 8 and the punks. Okay. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool because it kind of showed that this isn't just some bullshit campy story that's happening in this small town in the middle of Indiana that it could be happening anywhere. And I conceptually I like episode 7, but I feel like as an actual episode it was weaker than the rest of the season. I almost feel like it was written by a different crew of writers because Eleven was behaving out of character. I feel like she was speaking in full sentences. She was, like, just chatting all about, like, oh, her parents. Like, that's not... She doesn't actually know Mama. She never met her. And all of a sudden, she was telling, like, yeah, my Mama gave me this picture. I love her very much. She's my hero. Like, she's talking in complete sentences to these punks when she won't even talk in complete sentences to Hopper. 
Yeah. Now see, maybe it was maybe it wasn't that a different crew wrote it. Maybe it was just that this was an episode that they didn't really focus on, and they had to just kind of ended up having to finish it really fast. That's what I feel like it is. It's that that whole story arc in the episode didn't get enough time in mm-hmm. development that they had these huge plans, but they had so many other things going on in the season. They were like, "Shit, we got to fit it in somewhere." It's its own episode. Well, because if you think about it too, like in that one episode, they introduced L to Cali. Mm-hmm. They introduced L to what they were doing, and then they mm-hmm. went out and they did it. It's like that never happens in one episode. That's right. No. She should have been in where'd she go, Chicago, for mm-hmm. like a week. She should have been there, and not. I think she was there for less than a hours. day. Yeah. Yeah, she was there. She left the day after she got there. Yeah, mm-hmm. she should instead of like. For almost the whole season, she's in Hopper's cabin, and then she sees Mike, and then she goes to Chicago. She should have seen Mike way earlier, and then gone to Chicago way earlier. And so it could have been spread out, woven into the other. That's what I was thinking, is that... So throughout the show, where they're cutting back and forth between the kids, and then Hopper, and then the kids, and then Joyce and Hopper, mm-hmm. cutting between these different storylines, Elle should have been her own storyline. Her going out to Chicago and her going mm-hmm. and doing this exploration and character growth because there was a cool character growth there. But it should have taken place over this season. And if you think about it, we, re- we really only got to see half of the growth. And it was the little bit that they showed in when she decided not to kill the guy and in when she mm-hmm. realized how much she cared about Mike. And like, It's true. It's upsetting that... They blew it. That storyline could have been so cool. And then it was... I was disappointed. I think they really wanted us to love the punk characters. And that's why they spent so much time on them, like, going to the gas station and stuff. When I just wanted to, like, cut to the part where Eleven does cool things. That's how I felt the whole time. And it kind of felt like they were just hitting bullet points of this story that they were trying to tell. It must have been rushed. I hope that next season we get to see some more of Callie and we get to see some of the other, I'm going to call them numbers, because we have 8 and 11, what the hell are the rest of them doing? And Jane and Callie were really close in age and they hung out in the rainbow room together, we didn't see other babies in the rainbow room, where is 9 and 10? Yeah. So I want to talk about just... The insane improvement in quality we've had with child actors? Yes. I definitely have to agree. It seems like for the longest time, I'm trying to think what really started it. I think, and I think what really started it was, I think it was last year, that movie Room. I don't believe I ever saw that. It's, so it's with Brie Larson and it's like, it's a young five-year-old kid. And basically the, the plot of the movie is this girl was kidnapped when she was 17 and she was held hostage for like six years. And in that six years, she gave birth to a son who she raised trapped in this room. Oh, okay. And then they escape. That's, that and sounds but, intense. And, but this five-year-old won an Oscar. That's amazing. For it, for his performance in it. And I think that it led into a time where everyone wanted that hit child actor performance and it was just tra- garbage after garbage after garbage. And then... Stranger Things, it feels like. Yeah, it feels like just within my lifetime of watching movies, we've gone from Spy Kids, where kids being in the movie 
detracts from the movie as a whole. <laughs> like, Spy Kids on its own would have been garbage, even if they were adults. But they were bad actors. Even the just the little parts they were given there, they were bad at it. Did you guys see The Babadook? I have not I did, I, seen it. I enjoyed The Babadook. I won't, I won't spoilers yet. The child actor in The Babadook sucks ass. He was, he was the weak point. He pretty consistently smiled at people off camera. He'd deliver his line and then look up and smile past the camera. In lines where, like, the character's mother is in danger, he's smiling at people off camera. He's screaming all of his lines. Also, you know, Charlie Brown, all the kids, they talk like this. Because someone's reading them the script, and they're repeating it back. And so it sounds like that. The kid sounds like that in the Babadook every now and then. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I've gotten impressed. We have a higher standard for what it takes, I guess, to be a child actor. And we've ended up with some high-quality content. Finn, the one who's in Stranger Things and It, he's a better actor than some adult actors. The scene where he's calling Hop a liar and, like, beating on his chest, and then he cries. I was, like, actually pulled out of my immersion because I was surprised that, like, it wasn't awkward. You expect that scene to be awkward in any other TV show. No, but that that scene was amazing. I know the one you're talking about, and it's it's a powerful scene. And he just he just played it so naturally, and it just felt mm-hmm. it felt real. I want to talk about a weird thing regarding the child actors, specifically Finn. Apparently, he has to deal with hordes of people online, like commenting on his Instagram, calling him daddy. Someone who was a rapper, I don't remember who, posted a picture, and she was like, Finn, hook me up in four years. Like, she wants to fuck him on his 18th birthday. That's creepy to do to a child. That is creepy to do to a child, but it's a lucky man. That's (laughs) Finn. I hope he has a good time. But also, don't call a 14-year-old daddy, because holy shit. Holy shit. See, there's worse things I could be saying. Yeah, I mean... So, daddy's not that bad. No, it's pretty fucked up. It's not, like, as explicit as, like, spread my butt cheeks and... 14-year-old daddy. Yeah. <laughs> but just calling him daddy, making it, like, a, a sexual thing. Especially when he has specifically said, don't do it anymore. This makes me uncomfortable. Please stop. People don't care. Yeah, nobody cares because nobody it's like, no, shit. you're not a real person. What's almost as upsetting to me is the opposite. People who are super protective of the Stranger Things cast as if they were their parents talking about these children like they know them, being overly familiar in a way that I feel is, like, obviously less dangerous for the children, but just as creepy. It is weird. I think anybody who acts like they have a personal relationship with celebrities they like... See, and I think that's just a product of the time that we're living in. Because you can get on your phone and you can go to your favorite celebrity's Twitter account. Or their Instagram or their Facebook. Or their Snapchat. And they're constantly posting pretty personal information on all of those. Because they're just normal people who post normal shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you feel like you're their friend, but you're just some weird dude stalking a child's social media youtubers complain about that they're like i know it feels like we're friends because you know what my kitchen looks like and you saw me made breakfast don't fucking come here yeah i don't know i don't understand those people 
Do you guys remember before Halloween, there was the Eleven costume that made people all upset? I do. I remember that. I think it's the overreaction of the same people who want to pretend that they're these kids' parents. They want to pretend like, oh, it's so important to me because I'm so close to them. It's, And people were furious that there was, it was called the Upside Down Honey was the name of the costume. Because the people who make those costumes, that's their naming convention. What separates, like, Upside Down Girl to Upside Down Honey. The Upside Down Honey is a sexier costume. And they can't call her Eleven because that's copyright infringement. I don't feel like it was a sexy costume. Yeah, because I've seen it, and it's not... It's It's got, like, the neckline that Eleven wears the whole time. It's up to her clavicle. It's up to her collarbone. Well, I've seen the picture, too. Like, the dress goes down to her knees. The socks totally cover her, like... Her ankles and her legs. Yeah, if people are familiar with Mormon garments, I'm pretty sure you could wear garments under that costume. Yeah. It is a little uncomfortable, the naming convention, the upside-down honey, because she's a kid, and referring to her as a honey, that's creepy as fuck. I think it would be creepy if it was, like, a a child model wearing the costume. I think they can get away with that, because it's clearly a costume for adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's... it's, it's definitely not a sexy costume. Nobody's trying to sexualize a child there, I don't yeah. think. But maybe if the character you're basing your costume on is a kid, change the naming convention. Don't use the word honey. Don't use babe. Just upside it be down. The upside down woman costume, upside down girl costume. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and I think that would have eliminated any controversy there because other than that, it's just an accurate costume to the show. It's a little inaccurate. It's got that like high-low kind of peacock skirt. It's more fitted. It's kind of a, a empire instead of a baby doll. Things that make it like a flattering costume for an adult woman and not a pink church dress for a child. I was like, thank God you translated that. I did not know what you just said. I was going to say. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah if you've it's seen definitely... the picture of it, you know. It's, got, it's short in the front, long in the back, and the waist is at like... A, a woman's waist and not like in the middle of the chest. Yeah, and that makes way more sense than your use of the word empire and baby doll. <laughs> I understand that those are the industry terms, but... They're not even industry terms. They're just the terms. You don't have to be a secret insider Project Runway winner to know what an empire waist is. Yeah, but you can't be a dude who wears tie-dye shirts every single day and know what those words mean. I don't have the option to know what those words mean. You have the option. You just choose not to care. I guess I do technically have the option. I really, really don't care. What else about Stranger Things was cool? I mean, outside of it being like the best show I've ever seen. I really wish I had watched it sooner. So I feel like their introduction of Max was really weak. They didn't give any backstory. She was just there. I was disappointed because they set it up like a mystery. Like, here we are. You're not my sister, but we're forced to be family now. Don't talk to me. I expected it to be something spook. And then it was just, your your dad married my mom and I hate you. Yeah, that was really lame. I'm hoping that there's more than that there or there's some fleshing out. Mm-hmm. Because when she was just telling that story to Lucas, was like, yeah... And then my parents got divorced, and my mom married this guy, and his son's an asshole. Mm -hmm. Like, really? That's it? Well, that's the big thing about television. It's show, don't tell. And the fact that Max just, like, 
just said real fast in three sentences what her backstory was. It makes me think we're going to see more mm-hmm. of is her stepdad really awful to her stepmom? Did some or is her stepdad really awful to her mother? Is there more about her bio dad? Why was there that conversation where Billy was like, it's Max's fault we moved here, and Max is like, it's Billy's fault we moved here? What went down with, and the parents say it's to get away from the dad, so what went down between uh, Max and her father, maybe, or Billy and Max's father? Something, right? Yeah, it feels like there's got to be something there. I'm really hoping there's going to be more. Yeah, I don't know, because it seemed like, even though like the stepdad was a real asshole to Billy, it seemed like he at least decently treated the other two. I don't know, because the mother but looked real scared. But there's no way to tell. Yeah. In situations like that. I just have to assume he's the worst. Also, the mother and the father left Max and Billy alone three hours longer than they said they would when they know that the two of them fight. Your parents didn't leave your siblings alone when they knew they thought Tabitha and I weren't left alone when we were fighting all the time. Hmm. That's true. Speaking of parents on that show, I want to talk about Ted, Mike's dad, for a second. Okay. He is legitimately my friend Michael's dad. He's the (laughs) same guy. He's the, why would I know where my kids are? No, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm the dad. (laughs) It's the exact same guy, and it's so weird to see him on TV. That that was a real thing that happened in the 80s. I loved, I think that actor did a really good job with that character, because there's... The mom shouts at him like, I hope you enjoyed your chicken because the family is falling apart around him and nothing's happening. He goes, what did I do? And then instead of shouting after her, what did I do? It's, what did I do? I think the best line from from him is, homie, they're our government. If they found anything, they'd tell us. He's <laughs> oh, always talking about the Russian commies, too. He was a good... He, gi- he gives that he gives that one soldier guy like a salute after he tells him to never tell anyone what they've seen. <laughs> We're all patriots here, sir. Salutes him. I think the government is my favorite part of that show. It's properly mm. depicted. Just they're they're evil, and you're not gonna beat them. There's no way to beat them. They're everywhere. They're always listening. They're always watching. And there's so many. Shows If the show had been written by dumber people, I think they would have, like, defeated the government. But no, it was, yeah, if you tell anyone, we'll kill you. Enjoy the rest of your life. Well, like, like the, the episode where Jonathan and Nance want to tell Barb's parents what happened to her, like, what actually happened to her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it cuts to the guy sitting at the, sitting in the office with the headset on. And then they get to the park, and literally every person in the park is just watching them. I yeah. think... I think their intention was not to tell Barb's parents. I think that was the trap so they could get... Because that's why they brought the recorder yeah. to the... Well, yeah, well, it was yeah. it was the trap they set up, but it was ultimately to be able to tell Barb's parents mm-hmm. or whatever. But that was an amazing... I love all of those scenes where they cut back and it's just a bunch of people sitting in a room with headsets on listening to phone calls because that actually exists. Mm-hmm. Or then the scene... In the last episode, I think, where they're, where they're trying to communicate with Will, and he's tied up in the shed, and it's cutting back to, like, panning shots. It's cutting back and forth of, like, panning shots of the different groups as he's, like, as they're talking to him and Hopper's, like, signaling them and they're writing down what it says. That was a cool scene. That was well that was, handled. That was a cool scene. They do a lot of great 
just actual camera and film work. The cinematography is wonderful. The sound design is wonderful. They play a sound that sounds almost exactly like tinnitus, if anyone's experienced tinnitus. They play that same, the high-pitched whine. Like when you were a kid and you had the mosquito sound that your teachers couldn't hear. They play that sound or a similar one anytime things are overwhelming and a character's like about to pass out because you do hear your ears ringing when those things are happening. That's true. That's true. They, they, I love the soundtrack. I love that 80s synth, yeah. hardcore. Oh, it's beautiful. Cool. Well, I think that's the rest of our episode. Uh, I guess let's give Stranger Things a rating. I'm going to call it 10 out of 10, the spookiest game of Dungeons & Dragons. Well, I'm going to give it... All right. So in honor of the Demo Dogs, I'll give it 10 out of 10, best boys. <laughs> don't all that. <laughs> 10 out of 10, where's Yertle? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is the end of our episode. Uh, as always, we're on all kinds of social media. You can find us on Facebook at 10 out of 10 reviews. It's the same as the podcast name. We're on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, both of those are at 10 out of 10 pod. That's 10-O-U-T-T-A-1-0-P-O-D. And then you can always email us at 10 out of 10 pod at gmail.com. You can always find us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Uh, it'd be really great if you were to rate us on there. And as always, I'm Alex. I'm Michaela. And I'm Max. And thank you guys for listening.